Ksuvas Perk Ches Mishnah Zayin 8-7. The Mishnah discusses the payment of the Ksuba and other financial considerations arising therefrom regarding a Yavam once he takes over stepping into his late brother's shoes, marrying his wife, and taking over his assets. Now you'll recall that when it comes to a Yavam, if he should perform um, Yibum, which means that she, the widow of his late brother, moves in with him, they live together as husband and wife, and that marriage essentially continues on, if you will, whereas meaning that her ksuba, her original ksuba from her first husband, um, stays in full effect. The amount of the ksuba, as well as the shibudim, the liens that that ksuba um, created on the first husband's property. Um, if And she never gets paid her ksuba, even though she became a widow. If and when the yavam opts not to marry her and instead to do chalitza, then she would get her ksuba payments in full. So, when the Yavam takes over, stepping into his brother's shoes, essentially, um, he gets the brother's assets. He becomes the Yoresh, like the sole heir and inheritor of his late brother's property by doing Yibum, um, as well as he now is married to his late brother's wife. Now, in a regular marriage, no Yibum, the husband gives his wife a Ksuba. It promises that she'll get whatever it is, the Ikar Ksuba, 200 Zuz, and let's pretend there's another 100 Zuz, to Tosef Ksuba, 300 Zuz total. So then, <clears throat> that 300 Zuz um, is um, a guaranteed payment that she gets upon death or divorce of her husband, and it it has a lien on all of the husband's property, meaning that, hypothetically, if he would have sold a field to somebody else, and then um, when he dies, there isn't money to pay her ksuba. She, the widow, could go to the purchaser of that field and say, "Listen, I had the first lien, like as if the bank with the first mortgage on that lien on that property, the field that you bought, and therefore um, you have to either pay me the three hundred um, zuz of my ksuba, or they would sell the field and get she get three hundred zuz and he gets the residual, whatever the story is. And the point is that she has the first lien. Now there's a machlokus that extends um, beyond the scope of this mission in general." which is, on what sorts of property do, does she have a lien? According to the Chachamim, she has a lien just on real assets, on karka, things that are attached to the ground, like a field or a building or a tree. Whereas metaltalin chattels, like a suitcase full of money or a barrel full of apples, um, those are not encumbered at all. And, and if the husband of a regular marriage would sell the apples or he would, you know, whatever invest and lose the the money, the suitcase full of money. So she has no recourse to the purchaser of the apples, etc. She can't go back and get them. Um, it's just the real assets, just the karka, things attached to the ground. Rebbe Meir holds no. Rebbe Meir holds that her lien extends to all of his assets, both karka and metalton, everything, including detached property. And therefore, if someone bought those apples from her, for example, she could go back and say, listen, those are my apples that weren't his to sell, and you need to reimburse me so I can get paid out my ksuba. When it comes to a Yibam situation, the Yavam essentially um, takes on, I'll call it the assets and liabilities of the first marriage. That means he gets all of his brother's stuff. He also um, has to stand behind the Ksuba that she was given when they got married, that he's taking over and now is the Yavam. But, and this is really interesting, the lien that her Ksuba had on the husband's, the first husband's property um, that stays in effect, but it's only his property that is encumbered, the first husband's property, which means if the the uh, the brother-in-law, 
the brother, the Yavam, if he, you know, had a, a real estate portfolio of, of rental properties, and his brother, who now has passed away, had just, you know, farmlands. So the when he, the Yavam, marries the widow, the Yavama, so it's just the farmlands that came over through the Yibam process that are acting as collateral against the Ksuba. But his rental properties that he owned before he did Yibam, those are totally unencumbered. So that means he could sell them and she has no recourse to those properties. If he would sell the farmland and then there's not enough money left when he dies, she could go back to the purchase of the farmland and say, listen, I had first lien with my Ksuba. Now, the rabbis made it to Kana. And that really becomes the focal point of our Mishnah, which is that we don't want to have this poor woman who's the widow now for a second time have to go and fight in court to get back what's rightfully hers, her super payments from the purchasers of the, of the farmlands who bought the lands from her second husband that originally were owned by her first husband. Um, and therefore, the rabbi said that although the Yavam, the living brother, gets the great benefit of inheriting all of his late brother's property. So long as that property, as long as there's a lien on the property from the ksuba of the first wife, so he may not sell any of it. It all remains encumbered. And while he, we treat it essentially like nechsim malug, that it's as if it's her property, that he can get rights, you know, payros rights to the, the produce. So that means the farmlands that this second brother inherits, so he can never sell them. Um, but what he could do is, of course, you know, plant them and grow apples on the farmland and then, you know, make money off the apples. But the farmland itself always remains encumbered. He can never sell it because it's there to pay out her ksuba. Now, our mission says inside with that background. If the brother who died left over money, a suitcase full of cash. And now this mission here is going like Rabbi Meir, who holds that that cash um, also was leaned by the ksuba to the woman, to the wife. So therefore, when the Yavam inherits a suitcase full of cash, he's not free to spend it or invest it. To the contrary, he has to put it, invest it, and purchase something that will store value. And um, like with some previous Mishnayos, we'll call that the cherry orchard. And then he he purchases the cherry orchard, which retains a value from which she can collect her ksuba ultimately. But he gets to the benefit of whatever cherries grow in the orchard. He can sell those and spend the money that he gets from selling the cherries. That's what the Mishnah says here. Yilakach ben karka. That suitcase full of money, whatever other you know, cash or whatever that he left behind when he died, all that money must be used to purchase land to protect her principal that's collateralizing her ksuba. Vahu ochel peros. But he buys the cherry orchard, but then he can eat the cherries that grow in the orchard. Very similarly, peros hatalushim in a karka. If when the first brother died, there were barrels of apples that had already been harvested sitting in the barrels. That's also Matalflin. So Rimeir, who's the Tana at this part of the Mishnah, holds those apples are also serving as collateral for the woman's ksuba. And therefore, the second husband who gets these apples may not spend them. Rather, he has to take the value of those apples um, or sell them, uh, get the money, and then purchase, again, say a cherry orchard, Storing the value to protect her ksuba, and then he, of course, can eat the cherry to grow, but he has to invest it to keep her collateral safe. The Mishnah says, Peros minakarka, so the barrel of apples that were detached from the ground, they're sitting in the barrels already. Yilakach karka, the value of those apples have to be converted to money to purchase land, the cherry orchard, Vahu ochel peros, and he then eats the cherries. 
hamuchubarn bakarka. What about stuff that's still attached to the trees? So the apples are on the trees. So now, what's supposed to happen here is that we essentially take a photograph of the estate and all its assets at the moment of the first brother's death. And that estate is what's collateralizing her ksuba. This is Reb Meir still, so that would include the metalton, the chattels, the movables. Um, and anything that happens after that, where payros, dividends, growth, output, you know, fruit that grows, all that stuff belongs to the new brother, free and clear, and she has no right to it. doesn't collateralize her ksuba. So if when the first brother dies, there were apples on in the apple orchard growing on the trees, and but let's say for argument's sake, they're only, you know, half of what, they're only worth, a, por- a portion of what they would be worth if they left to be fully ripened. They're not fully ripened. So there was $100 of apples on the trees, but if we would have left it till they fully ripened, they were worth $300. So the point is, since um, those apples were worth 100 now, there's an extra $100 of collateral going to guarantee her ksuba. So the Mishnah says, Apples still attached to the tree, meaning attached to the ground. They're still, so at the moment of his death, of the first husband, those are belong to her as collateral. We have to appraise how much is this apple orchard worth if the trees are laden with these half-grown fruits and if there are no fruits in them at all. And we say, listen, it's an extra $100 worth of value if, to get this orchard as it is with the half-grown fruits. So then Vahamosar, that differential, that $100, Yilakach Ben Karka, the brother who's now becoming the Yavam, will have to lay out 100 bucks out of his pocket. He'll have to purchase another, you know, cherry orchard with that money. And then whatever cherries grow in the cherry orchard, he can eat, of course, but the cherry orchard he can't sell because it's there to collateralize her ksuba. The Chacham, the Chacham disagree that the chattels, the metals, and the movables are um, ever encumbered by her ksuba. So they say, and actually this first sentence, ironically, is not actually a mechlokas. They're agreeing with Rabbi Meir, that peros hamechubar bakarka, the fruits that are still attached to the ground, the apples half grown on the trees, those are going to go towards collateralizing her ksuba. The Mishnah says, shalom belong to him, which would be the this, this second husband. The Gemara says that makes no sense whatsoever. Why in the world should they belong to him? the second brother, they belong to the first brother, and they were there when the first brother died, so they're part of his estate, they should really belong to collateralize her ksuba, and indeed the Gemara says, you should have to correct the text of the Mishnah, it should say, Shalah belongs to her. So, like Rabbi Meir, the Chacham say, the value of the half-grown apples that are already halfway grown at the moment of the death of the first husband, those go, go towards collateralizing her ksuba, and really the Chacham Magrith Rameir, because those are still Mechubar and Bakarka, and, and the general rule is, notwithstanding what we saw earlier in the parak, with, with an exception, with, with the Nechzeh Malug, but in general, the rest of Kola Torakula, whatever is attached to the ground is like Havadin, like the ground, has a ruling as if it were ground, so the apples that are attached to the apple trees, and the apple trees themselves, all have a status of Karka, and therefore, they are indeed leaned by her ksuba. So, we just take the value, and now we go towards protecting her, like Reb Meir said. Hatalusha Minakarka, on the other hand, produce that already have already been detached from the ground. So, meaning at the moment of the first husband's death, the apples are already sitting in barrels. So the Chacham hold, those are metaltalin, those movables do not collateralize her ksuba, and therefore they're free and clear for the the, the living brother, the Yavam, to, to do with whatever as he sees fit. They don't, they're not encumbered at all. Now the words of the Mishnah um, don't exactly say what they seem to be saying, don't mean what they seem to be saying. Um, the din is going to be 
that the apples that are detached already from the ground at the moment of his death are unencumbered, according to the Chum, and therefore the Yavam can take them, spend them, sell them, no problem, um, unlike the properties which he can't sell. Um, however, there is a possibility that before her husband died, the first husband, the woman grabbed those barrel of apples and said, I'm holding these apples as collateral, as a as surety against my ksuba. I'm holding it as what's called a mashkon, some kind of collateral. So then that would work. I mean, if she would actually physically grab those apples and hold them as collateral while her husband's alive, that's the important part here, her first husband. So then, yes, those apples are now going to also be sort of held by her as some collateral, and that would then mean that the Yavam who gets the apples and the ownership of the apples couldn't sell them. He'd have to essentially take the value of the apples to buy more, you know, cherry orchard with them. Now, the Mishnah makes it sound like it's a it's a mad rush to grab the apples after the death of the first husband. That's simply not the case. <clears throat> Once the first husband's dead, everything goes over to the the uh, the Yavam, the, the brother, the living brother, and assuming again that what's detached from the ground, the Chum say is totally you know not encumbered at all. So when the Mishnah is saying here there's a rush, what we're talking about is a rush for her to grab these apples before her husband dies. Okay? In which case she could hold them as additional collateral. But the Mishnah says inside, Hatalushin Minakarka, anything that's detached from the ground, like apples in the barrel, Kol Kodim Sorry, kol hakodem zacha behen, which literally means whoever goes first, he or she gets the right to them. What we mean is whoever grabs these barrel of apples, um, whether it's he or she, will have rights as follows. Kadam who, if the yavam gets a hold of the barrel of apples and he he, he takes them, um, meaning she didn't grab them before his husband, his brother died. Her, her, her husband died. So then Zacha, then they're his. Free and clear, and do not collateralize her ksub at all, say the Chachamim. Kadmahi, however, if she grabbed them first, meaning she grabbed the barrel of apples to hold them as collateral, as a mashkon, prior to her first husband's death, then she did a thing to her advantage, and the din will be Yilakach ben Karka, he, the second husband, will have to now sell those barrel of apples, which she's holding as collateral as a mashkun. He'll have to sell them. And Yilakach um, ben Karka, he purchases new land with the proceeds, you know, another cherry orchard. Vu ochel peros, and he gets to eat the cherries that are growing on those trees. Now, like new paragraph, if you will. Kanasa, if the Yavam now marries the widow... Kanasa means he brings her in. That means he takes her as a wife. That means they're living together. It's Yibum. Yibum is affected by them sleeping together. So once she moves in, they're sleeping together. So now, Now she, the widow, becomes the Yavam's wife, like a regular wife in every matter. There's no difference whatsoever. Um, with the following exception, and that's the exception we've said already, that the collateral, which guarantees the payment of her ksuba, only, it's only the original property that came in from her first husband. That's all that is encumbered, that has a lien on it um, by her ksuba. But anything that he, the second husband, owned is totally unencumbered. He can do with it what he sees fit. It's just the stuff that he inherits from his brother that he can't sell. Now, the fact that the Mishnah said, Hooray, hik, ish, l'choldovar, is a little strange. Um, means she's his wife in all matters. So that tells you a couple things. For 
it's based on psukim and there's limudim, but the bottom line is it's telling you a couple of important things. Number one is the rule is you cannot marry your late brother's wife. That's against the Torah, severe iser. Nevertheless, it's an exception if you're doing it for the sake of yibum. So what happens if the the second brother now divorces the yavama? Can he remarry her? Do we say it's like his wife and he can remarry her? Or do we say, no, now she carries the stigma of being his late brother's wife and she is forbidden to remarry? The Mishnah is saying, no, she's like his wife in all matters, meaning he could remarry her. Um, similarly, you might have thought erroneously that he could get rid of her after marrying her um, with chalitza as opposed to a get. But the answer is no. Once they perform yibum and they sleep together, so then the only way for them to dissolve that marriage is the conventional way with a get. Okay. Now, halacha l'maysa is interesting. The rule is that the halacha l'maysa, meaning that on, like that uh, metaltlin, movable objects are not encumbered, meaning that while the yavam could, may not sell, while he may not sell like the land that he inherits from his brother, he could sell the movables. Um, however, subsequent to that, meaning after the Gemara was closed, the ga'onim, like I'll call near 800 or 900 of the common era, that kind of time, um, or maybe it's 700 or 600, I don't know, they ruled and made a takana that also metaltlin, the movable, should also serve as collateral for a woman to collect her ksuba. Um, that being the case, some Rishonim learn that the halacha sort of swings in favor of Meir now, saying that he, the second husband, may not even sell the metaltlin, the movables. Um, some Rishonim hold that way. Other Rishonim, most notably the Rambam, say absolutely not. The point was to help a regular conventional wife collect, but not to sort of make the second the Yavam be, you know, encumbered so he couldn't, he couldn't sell a property. So that becomes a Machlux Rishonim. At all events, really, like nowadays, we don't do Yibam at all. It's only Chalitza, so the whole thing doesn't get off the ground. And really, there wouldn't be, this wouldn't come to be a Lach anyways.